All right, everybody, let's go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time you've given us to get into your word. Oh, how amazing your word is. It's rich, it's nutrient, nutrient dense, Lord. And we just appreciate the opportunity, the freedoms that we have in this country to be able to dine at your word and be able to allow it um, to incubate in us and grow us into individuals that can really dominate in our uh, area of influence. With that being said, we come against every demonic spirit and thing. They may try to war against myself, these young people. They may try to come against my family, my properties, anything that belongs to me. I counsel every plot and scheme over us as we navigate this text. And Father, we turn our attention back to you. We thank you for that authority. We thank the Lord that it be evident in our lives. and We'll be able to bear fruit from this word that you want us to hear. And we appreciate you for it. And Jesus, we do pray. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about how to overcome those who have wronged us, how to overcome those who have wronged us. With a show of hands, how many people in this room has or have been wronged? That's just about every, well, yeah, just about everybody to some degree has been wronged. Now, let me ask you the second question. How many of us have kept records or are still keeping records of those, you don't got to raise your hand, but internally processed, how many of you all are still keeping records, or those records are still there, of those wrongdoings. Now, when we begin to think about this, we have to begin to assess why do we still hold on to those who have wronged us? That's one of the ultimate tricks of the enemy, is to keep us stagnant because of abuse, abandonment, rejection, or whatever, whatever has happened to you. One of the biggest things that used to keep me from succeeding and that kept me bleeding was abandonment. I, I was the type of guy that when a person abandoned me, I felt empty. I felt like I wasn't loved. I was that kid who kept kids up at night. Like, yo, yo, don't go to sleep on me because I struck. Abandonment was that deep. At sleep, I was like, man, why can't we keep, let's play the game again. Let's play uh, Super Mario Kart again. Let's, let's, let's play Madden again. Let, no, don't go to sleep on me. And as a kid, I was like, why am I like that until I got older and I realized that your abandonment was serious for me, that I, I did whatever it took to keep people around. I even kept bad people around so I would never be alone. That's how deep abandonment was to me, to the point to where I was like, man, uh, uh, I didn't want to be by myself. Because how many of us you don't got to raise your hand, but we don't like being by ourselves because now we got to deal with our own thoughts. And so a lot of us, if not every one of us, struggles with some type of emotional wound. See, the devil wants you from the womb to the tomb. And the way he gets you from the womb to the tomb is to emotionally wound you. Most of us were wounded when we were young, and that was not by accident. That was by design. The enemy knows that your prefrontal cortex, that there's parts of your brain that is not developed until you're 25. That's why if you really look at your decision making, you guys at y'all's age make more emotional decisions than logical ones because your brain hasn't even fully developed yet. That prefrontal cortex is for a reasoning. And that's why when you're 28, like, man, I dated him. I went with her. They were my friends. When I was 27, 20, I was like, man, what? Why was I emotionally attached? It's because the system was designed for us to be wounded 
early because when you're abandoned at five years old, you don't know what you're feeling. That's why when my when I found out that my wife was conceived with Hannah, I said, I'm going to make sure that we don't argue. Like we're not going to if there is any type of disagreement, it's not going to go higher than it needs to because the baby will feel. I mean, me and my wife, we was joking. I'm, 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 the Lord is my witness. We were joking about being upset with each other. Hannah looks at me, looks at her, and she starts crying. She felt even attention that wasn't there, but babies, they feel. So a lot of people's abandonment and rejection didn't start at five. It started at five months. Because when a person, when a baby is being developed inside of the womb of a woman, we have to understand that our spirit selves are frequencies. We, and we accept energies. Now, what does that mean? When you was in your mother's womb, if your mother was thinking about a, a div uh, not divorcing, what's the word I'm looking for? Aborting you, the baby feels that. When you at five, five years old and, and your daddy left the family, you felt that. Your brain couldn't comprehend it, but you still apprehended. And those emotional wounds carries over and now all of a sudden, we have these records of wrongs inside of us that's keeping us from breaking records. What are those records you want to break? What are those family records you want to break? You want to break the record of diabetes in your family, the record of hypertension in your family, or you want to break the records of having babies out of wedlock. In your like, what records are you supposed to break, but you're broken because you're keeping records of people who've wronged you? That's why the Bible says love is patient. Love is kind. Like it also talks about love keeps no record of wrongs. And so we got to begin to process and look at every person on our list and say, why am I still holding this individual against myself? Now, let's flip the other side. The one person that we've kept the most records of is ourselves. <laughs> we are paralyzed because we internalize how we've hurt ourselves. And so today I want to take some time to talk about how we can shred those records where like for me, when I look at my dad, there's no more record of wrongs. When I look at the people and my dad, me and my dad are great now. We good. But what I'm saying is there was a time that I held a record against him. But if I would have kept holding that record against him, then when he was in a hospital room and he asked for salvation, I wouldn't have been able to be used by God to save his life. Or if I would have kept that record of wrong against my dad because my dad wasn't there or whatever issues were there. Then when my sisters and my dad was in my home and Hannah was like seven months, about four months old, he's in tears because he's looking at all of his children and saying, if it wasn't for your brother, I don't know where my other children would have been. So what record are you holding against a person that God can't even release you to help them? Now, I want to ask you a quick question. Why do you think people hold on to these records of wrongs? Why do people hold on to them? Why is it hard to let them go? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. 
they can't let it go. It's like a string on the list. It's like you can't let it go. I mean, you need to let it go, but they're afraid that if they let it go, that same person may come up to them and they don't know what to say. That's good. Let's break that down. Let's unpack that for a minute because that's a huge one. The reason why a lot of people is difficult for them to let go of records of wrongs is because they can't forget it. One of the greatest weapons used against us psychologically is what? Tell me in your mind, what is what is that one thing that is like a, a, a psychological weapon used against uh, used by the enemy against us? Starts with an M. Hmm. It happens in your mind. It's logged in there. It's, Memories, thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> Memories. If I had some cash, I would have gave some. Yeah, but anyway. Memories. She said, I got cash out. <laughs> Memories. All right, all right. Memories. Now, how are memories used as weapons against us? Yes. It's kind of weird how your brain works, right? You can have a memory and you can remember it to the T. Mm -hmm. However, if you dwell on that memory, it's going to start making up other scenarios that could have happened in there. Um, so it's like a projection of what happened in the past, but also takes you down avenues of what could have happened. Mm. First part was what? Because there was two parts of your, your uh, projection, of projection of the past. Now, memories, we, we will never forget significant moments. Significant moments leads to significant memories. So when you have a significant moment with a significant individual or a significant situation, the enemy knows you will never forget that. It is with you from that moment it happened till you die. He uses those memories because when we're by ourselves, how many of us, when we look at the ceiling, our ceiling is our biggest video screen. We don't even see the roof. We don't even see the ceiling. It becomes this display, projection of what happened. And he knows that if you never change the way you remember, then those memories will affect all of your members. It'll affect your wife. It'll affect your husband. Like there's women that I talk to and men that I talk to that I coach and they still they can't even enjoy their marriage because of what they remembered from an ex. They can't even go to their next because they haven't changed the way they remember the times of their ex. And so when you don't change the way you remember things, it'll affect all the things in your life. What's the second part? Oh, um, your mind wanders. <clears throat> my mind, bro, like my mind, well, my mind's a blessing now, but it used to be a curse, man. My mind, I mean, there's people in this room that I know that you guys, you know and of yourself that you laid down at 1030, <laughs> but you didn't go to sleep till 330. <laughs> Your mind was running a marathon, running. I'm like, bro, are you done? <laughs> like my body looking at my mind like, fam, chill, stop. And my mind's like, no, we just get started. <laughs> you start thinking about. And it's crazy because when you go down memory lane, and you walk down that path, you started adding other scenarios to that moment. How many of us have been guilty of this? You gotta raise your hand, but how many have been guilty where your mind wandered and when it came back, it came back with emotions that you didn't even experience in that moment? For instance, all of a sudden now, you was like, oh, I remember when she walked off on me. 
Oh, I remember when she looked at me crazy. Now, you creating these scenarios, and she was just trying to go to the bathroom. And so now you come the next day of school, side-eyeing her. <laughs> oh, for real, you going to look at me? You, you really picked out an outfit for her. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to kill him with this. Oh, you was looking at me like my last Wednesday outfit wasn't cute? Okay, I'm going to show. Now, all of a sudden, a girl that was rushing to the bathroom and looked at you some kind of way, now the whole week, I'm just creating a hyperbole. I don't, I don't believe y'all ladies do that. Or guys, you know, somebody make a slick comment. And, and now all of a sudden, now you're internalizing it. And now your whole week is dedicated to prove someone that shouldn't even be worth your energy. All that kind of stuff. So memories are dangerous if they're not altered. And so the second part was you don't know how to handle when that person comes up again. That's tough at y'all's age, man, because the social emotional skills at this age can be turbulent because the brain ain't fully there yet, right? As far as developed in, in processing certain things. But we'll get to that part later. Let's talk about how to shred the records of Rome. S-H-R-E-D, because there's a lot of points I want to cover. And these how to shred records. So we've all got records, and oh, maybe y'all don't do this because y'all don't use shredders, but just, y'all, y'all, how y'all shred stuff? Y'all, oh, y'all just delete. <laughs> y'all, y'all, okay, how to delete, but I use shred. Because anyway, how to shred records or delete records of wrongs. We'll stay with shred, even though y'all probably never used a shredder before. But you know what a shredder is, right? Y'all use shredders? All right, so we good. All right, number one, S, realize with realize that you survived it. You physically survived the wrongdoing. The issue is we're still trying to survive it here. When you really look at the situation, you're going to be like, man, like for instance, I survived fatherlessness. Man, I survived it. And you can too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, I physically survived it. I didn't become a statistic of single-parent homes. I survived it. I survived the abandonments. I I survived it. Now we have to shift into thriving from it. When you realize that even though you may have been sexually abused, even though you may have been physically abused, even if you've been mentally abused, no matter what the abuse was, no matter what the abandonment was, no matter what the rejection was, you survived it. And if you don't thrive from it, then your children are going to have to survive you. I don't want my kids to survive me because I didn't survive what happened in my life. Like, do you know that wounds transfer and you may not wound them the way you were wounded, but you still wound them. For instance, you have a parent whose parent wasn't there. Now this parent is everywhere. <laughs> and what wound would that cause that child? Because now that child is that parent's like, no, you can't leave my sight. No, no. what kind of wound is that causing that child? Really sheltered. And then when that child lives in a sheltered world, what would then happen to their kids because they were so sheltered? They want to give them space. And then when they give those children space, it's repeating the cycle. 
So you see, if I don't survive, if you don't survive what wounded you, you're going to wound your children differently, thinking that you're protecting them, but really setting them up for not having success. That's why it's important to heal so that you can properly deal. The second thing is put yourself in their shoes. One of the greatest depictions of this. Imagine you chilling and you praying. This is Jesus. Jesus is praying. And he knew it was the night that he was going to be betrayed. Full moon, because, you know, all crazy stuff happens on full moon. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a full moon, full moon, clear sky, full moon. But the sun was still there. I'm speaking now. Right. Imagine you praying and you needed your boys help, but they sleep. Then all of a sudden you look over your right shoulder and you see. Dozens of soldiers with. Sticks with fire on them approaching your tents. They're looking for you and you look on the side and you're like, I count 11. But my 12th man is over there, Judas. Judas walks up on you. Back in the Bible days, they, they kissed on the cheeks. You know, some, some cultures still do that. Kiss Jesus on the cheek. Hey, man, get off me, man. I'm saying, I don't want that. I don't want that now. You know what I mean? Then they grab you know, your boy Peter get that cuss man's ear off. Ear hits the ground. Man screaming. Can't hear to his screams. <laughs> and then Jesus said, yo, Peter, chill. And put the ear back on dude's ear. Imagine being that guy and you're told by your commander to put a nail in his hands, but that's the same guy that put your ear back on. Either way, let's keep going with the story. They drag him. They put him beside this guy named who? Barabbas. What was Barabbas guilty of? Murder. So they sat. Imagine you standing beside Barabbas. And the people that you healed their mom and you. They sipped your wine. <laughs> they ate your fish and bread. They heard your stories and they said what? So now. The people have selected because they were paid off to do so. And they grab this man. They tie his hands to the stake. 39 lashes. Y'all know this. We've said this story many times. Like when that thing grabbed the back of their skin, it ripped flesh off. We ain't talking about, oh, look at that little skin. No, we talking about whole chunks of flesh coming off. They was punching this man and he knew every one of them by name. Imagine being beaten by the hands of people you made with your hands. And all of a sudden now you're carrying your cross up Calvary Hill and now you nailed in your left hand, nailed in your right hand, nailed in your feet. And now you're so beaten so bad. There's, there's never been a, a Jesus movie that depicted how bad he was beaten. They said they beat that man so bad that his mama couldn't even recognize him. We're talking about 12 UFC fights back to back to back to back. Face swollen, eyes closed shut, uh, organs hanging out. And you're on the cross. And the last 30 seconds, the last 45 seconds before this man dies. What was the worst part of that whole crucifixion? 
What was the worst psychological emotion? We're talking about the physical. That don't mean nothing. We're talking about the most damaging psychological emotional experience Jesus felt on that cross. What was it? Separation. Separation. What did his father do? Imagine your father. <laughs> you you at the free throw line, and the game is you, you, you know you down one, or you down two, and you miss both free throws. You look in the stand, your dad turns his back <laughs> and walks out the gym. Because <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> back to my Chris Fish story, because maybe that wasn't supposed to be a good parallel. But imagine you did everything right. You you dotted every I. You crossed every T, and now you're on a cross the size of a T, and now your daddy turns his back on you because you got all of the people's sins on you. And what did this man have the nerve to say out of his mouth? What did he say? Shh, for they know not what they what, Drew. He put our shoes on his. The way to shred records of wrong is to put yourself in other people's shoes. The day that I was liberated from fatherlessness is when I put my dad's shoes on my feet. And I said, Josh, if you were 27 years old, fresh from Nigeria, and you see this pretty young thing in college, would you not have done the same thing? And then when you have a child that's not fully Nigerian, wouldn't you... Because of family heritage, say, hey, we can't have no mixed child. So I need to bring my full Nigerian family over here. Wouldn't you, Josh, if you grew up in this same circumstances, do the same thing? Wouldn't you, for your hunger to be an American citizen, wouldn't you sleep with an American woman to get American citizenship and have a child to give you the, 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 the clearance? Wouldn't you? And when I put those shoes on, I said, man, I probably would have to. And when I took his shoes, I would put my shoes back on. I began to now walk in love. Because if I was in his same circumstance with the same pressure to pursue an American dream, I would have did the same thing. When I think about my nieces and nephews, they ain't going to go too deep in their life. But when that happened to them and I said, man, I got to continuously walk in love with their father. No matter what happened in their life, I got to walk in love because if I was in the NBA too... <laughs> I ain't never had women come pursue me like these NBA players had pursuing them. So every time I see him, I dap him up with love, no matter how much of the burden I had to carry that he should have been carrying. If I was in his shoes, too, and them girls was lined up outside of my game, too, I wasn't the star of my team, so I don't even know what the pressure's like for him. But when I put his shoes in, they're probably bigger than mine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, 6'11. You know what I'm saying? Probably size 15s. <laughs> but anyway, but if I put his shoes on, I couldn't even fill those shoes up because I never lived the life he lived. So when you begin to put your mama's shoes on, fellas, you know, metaphorically, <laughs> ladies, we, but no matter who's wronged you, no matter the size of the shoes, if you were in their shoes, you probably would have made the same decision. So now you can shred those records now. Your daddy left because, man, like, man, bro, when I look at my life, man, I thought my dad left, but could it be that my dad, that my heavenly father ensured he left? 
Because if he was in my life right now, would I even be pursuing what I'm pursuing? So could it be that God said, I'm the one that removed him, removed her. I'm the one that broke y'all up and you cried for two years because now you missing her. But then when you get old enough, you'd be like, man, that wasn't that girl wasn't even good enough. That guy wasn't even good enough for the world that I'm living in now. Now, number two. Number one, ask, survive and then put yourself in his shoes. Number two, harness creativity. Figure out how to gain creativity from the experience. Figure out. Oh. Figure out how to gain creatively from the experience. Channel the lessons learned into creative solutions and personal growth. For instance, do you know that your story is not the only story? It may be a different character, maybe different backgrounds, but the overall story is the same. Isn't Marvel movies the same story script? Isn't Hallmark Lifetime shows the same script? The girl meets a guy, about to marry the guy, and the guy proved not to be the guy. She met a guy who wasn't as rich as the guy she was with. And then all of a sudden now, my wife watched all those. <laughs> and I'm, and, and, bro, I was so, I was looking at her. I'm like, when I was dating her, I was like, fam, we got to cut this off. <laughs> this ain't real, fam. <laughs> like, no, I'm sitting there watching the shows. Yo, they always end the movie. Before they get married or as they get married, I'm like, fam, no, show me the real. All right, back, back, let me get, get that off my chest. Let me get back to my, anyway. What was I saying before that? Say it again. Oh, yeah, for instance. Now, for instance, the reason why it's important to harness creativity is because in every pain, there's gain. Let me say it again. In every pain, there's gain. I've made more money from the places that I've healed from than any other area. The people that I coach right now struggled or struggles with what I struggled, used to struggle with. You resonate with people who are living what you lived. So how, that's why I don't teach much on stuff that I ain't lived. Because I can't accurately give the information that should be given. But when you go through this issue that you're going through right now, abandonment, rejection, abuse, whatever, you can now write books, you can create programs, you can create dramatizations, you can create movies. Like, like all these things comes from pain. And so when you think about Keeping records of wrong, you can say, okay, how can, I how can I change this wrong into a successful story? Number three, R, repent and release. If you want to shred those records or delete those records, you got to repent. And you got to release. It says repent for any wrongdoings and release yourself from guilt. Now, most of us, the reason why it's hard for us to shred those records is because we played a part in that record. We slept with him. We slept with her. We did this. We did that. I was dumb enough to be with her. I, you was dumb. Uh, we, we are a part of the script. And so sometimes it's hard for us to shred those records because of guilt, shame, and condemnation. Now it's hard for me to shred it because now I, uh, now I have identified myself with it. And if I shred it, then I shred my excuse to be victimized then I'll shred a part of me. That's why it's important to say, God, I repent. I forgive myself. 
Lord, forgive me. I accept your forgiveness. Like, I know I made that mistake. You can't be keep beating yourself up in life. You got to say, hey, yeah, you did what you did. Cool. Nobody has a perfect story. And so now in order to shred those records, you got to repent for your wrong and the wrongdoing. And knowing that Christ took all those wrongdoings on the cross for you so that now you can do right. But if you don't shred those memories of those experiences that you willingly played a part into, then my friend, that thing will be a part of you. And then you identify with it and you can't even succeed beyond it. And you got to release. Embrace forgiveness both for others and yourself. You got to release them. Like your future kids need for you to release them. Your future spouse needs for you to release them because your spouse don't want them other people in their house too. What you mean, Mr. Ezzie? How are they going to be in the house? And whoever you keep here is going to be with you everywhere. And so how many people do we got living rent-free inside? If you don't let people live in your life, let them pay rent. <laughs> let, them pay, let them pay the utilities or something. But, but we got people living inside of us rent-free. Just living up there, sitting on your couch in your brain, eating your food in your brain, eating up your life, taking up your energy. You got to release them because I promise you, if I didn't release that girl in college, I wouldn't have received. You can't receive until you release. For instance, we'd be asking God to fill up a spot that we have allowed to be taken. So imagine you in a two seater car. Y'all of age, y'all about to get married. You, you, or you wanting to be married, right? And you're asking God, God, send me the one. And God's like, how? You still got him sitting right there. <laughs> if you want the one that God has for you, or if you want what you want from God, whether it's a career, whatever, you got to create a vacancy, those who really want something bad enough, they make room. When you make a decision to follow God, you make room. You be like, you know what, if, bro? If God showed you the reasons why you dealt that, if God showed you the reasons why you don't have what you have, you would immediately get rid of it. If God showed you, if you, this is the reason, I ask myself all the time. I'd be like, man, why don't I have this yet? God, show me what's in my life. For instance, y'all know the story about Aiken, right? Y'all know Aiken. Aiken was the one that stole what he should have never taken and then buried it. And then my boy Joshua and them was like, why are we losing battles? We, 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 we them. <laughs> See, he didn't say we him. He said, no, we them. Like the Israelites were them. <laughs> the Israelites, when they showed up, man, they were them. They, they were elite in war. They, they won. Imagine you, for instance, you 20 and old, and you pulling up against, uh, 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 what's that school that's green that we play in our conference? Woodlawn. Woodlawn. <laughs> you 20 and old, and you pull up the Woodlawn, and you be like, the Lord is not with us. <laughs> you down by 30 against Woodlawn. All of us will look at the situation and be like, what? That's crazy. So you can understand where Joshua's coming from. Yo, we beat the word of God. We, we, we beat this uh, Christ school and, and we lose it to Woodlawn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody, some captain on the team going to be like, yo, coach, I'm calling the timeout. And that captain going to be like, which one of y'all 
Negroes <laughs> are keeping us from winning. That's what Joshua did. And Achan was like, oh, man, I just grabbed a little gold cup, man, but I ain't think nothing big deal about that. You know what they did to Achan and his whole family? Killed them all. Joshua said, you, we've lost hundreds, if not thousands of men because of a gold cup. <laughs> Pretty sure it was more than a gold cup. But what I'm saying is you still kept something. Killed the whole family. What is killing up your whole legacy because you got something still hidden inside of you? How can you expect, how can we expect God to bring what we desire when he's saying you still got sin in the camp? Number four, you got to eat. Embrace growth and change if you want to shred these records. You know what, man? I'm going to embrace so that my future won't be erased. I might accept what happened. It happened, fam. Yep, you went through it. Yep, it happened. And a lot of you guys are like, man, but Mr. Stairs, you don't understand. I understand. Maybe at 26 you will when your brain develops. But I'm telling you from this side of the experiences, man, embrace growth. Like, embrace change. Like, yo, man, your mama may not change. Your dad may not change. They're going to stay the same. But you don't got to be imprisoned by their, the way they live. You can say, you know what, man? Yep, it happened to me. Yeah, my peers may talk about me. Yeah, people. But listen, it's not about who's laughing now. It's about who laughs later. When I went through victory, man, I got picked on so many times, fam. Man, I got called gay because I didn't want to have sex before marriage. I got called all kind of names. But man, who's laughing last? And I'm not laughing at them. I'm laughing because my life is amazing. And now the people that used to talk about me, man, they're the ones messaging me now asking for advice. And if you can stomach the embarrassment, if you can stomach the embarrassment, you will be able to enjoy the enjoyments. And you're going to be laughed at. Oh, man, didn't you date him? Didn't you date her? Oh, man, listen, there's a lot of people I've erased off my roster, too. <laughs> like, fam, I ain't going to tell people all the people I dated don't look good right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine you tell your kids right now. Back then, we could have told them stories. Yeah, I used to date these chilies and stuff. And then all of a sudden, there was no social media, so they can't really fact check if she was cute enough. Now, I'm like, man, there's certain people. I'm tell, if I had a son, I'd be like, man, yo, your dad, your dad dated models. <laughs> there's two of my, my roster that I ain't really proud of. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> what am I trying to say is that, anyway, what am, right, let's keep going. But either way, man, if you can stomach the embarrassment, you can enjoy the enjoyments. Last, uh, D, determine a new path. Establish new. <laughs> Y'all all right? I thought someone died. <laughs> all right. No, wait. So you got to determine a new path. You got to say, hey, man, I'm not going to keep going down memory lane. I'm going to go down another path. Some of us were still on roads. We're still going down memory lane, and there's nothing down there. Let me tell you something about what the Holy Spirit does. Your past was never meant to be a residence. It was meant to be a place of reference. What does that mean? Your path, I mean, your past was, not, was never meant to be a place of residence. It was supposed to be a place of reference. What does that mean? Yes. Um, so your past is kind of like a playbook for your future. So you're able to 
to look back and see what you did and you can reference it for your future. It's kind of like, you could have made a mistake in the past, but if you come across the same situation again, you know how to handle it. Perfectly, perfectly um, explained. When I look back at my past, I don't live, I don't have an address back there no more. But my, my past is a great reference. Now I can look at the people that, that I was cool with and be able to say, okay, these are the qualities to look out for when people, new people come into my life. But if you live in your past, you will never live in your future. You will never live in the future that God designed for you because God is not going to give you a future if your past hasn't passed. Any thoughts, comments, questions? You have to shred the records. If you don't, you won't break records in your life. And there are some generational records you were called to break. There's poverty records you was meant to break. There's lust records you were meant to break. There's, there's uh, babies out of wedlock records you are supposed to break. There's, a, there's even uh, all types of records you are supposed to break. Health records, diabetic records, hypertension records. Like all these records you were meant to break, but you only repeat those cycles if you don't break those or destroy those records. Now, last thing. They said that it was impossible one day. There was a time in the past where it was impossible to break the mile in what minute? Was it one minute? It was, like, it was unheard of for someone to break the one minute mile. Is that true? Was it one minute? The four minute? Four? Say it again. The four minute mile? Okay, great. So, man, y'all was like, man, Mr. Ezra, man, bro. Fact check. Get your facts right. <laughs> y'all like, one minute. So, the four minute mile. My apologies. I'm, I'm a hooper. You know what I mean? Four minute mile. One day... Somebody broke the four-minute mile. After that one person broke the four-minute mile, what happened after that run? Everybody did it. Do you know how many limiting beliefs are on people because the record seems bigger than what it is? The record that you're supposed to break seems bigger than what it really is? The fatherlessness, the, the lust, the, the, all that stuff, it seems bigger than what it really is. When God's like, fam, that record can't be broken. And if you break the record, you will break the limits in everybody's mind and you'll start a lineage, a heritage of people breaking records beyond you. So do not keep records of wrong because you got records to break. Everybody says, well, I am a record breaker. All right. <laughs> Maybe one day. All right. Love you. all. That's it.